Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast, where we look at the trends impacting mid-sized companies and the influencers behind their success. I'm Larry Guthrie, Director of Communications for ACG Global, and I'm here with Katie Mulligan, the editor of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Katie, who'd you talk to for this week's podcast? Hey, Larry. I spoke with Andrew Fulford, Vice President of Corporate Development for HBM Holdings. HBM focuses on investing in middle market industrial products and services businesses. So I asked Andrew to join me on the podcast to talk about the role that investors play in helping these types of businesses compete. Everything from adopting new technologies, defining the right talent, to dealing with policy changes like the steel and aluminum tariffs that have been all over the news. And I know that HBM tends to take a more long-term holding approach to investments. Did Andrew talk at all about that and how it shapes the firm's strategy? Yeah, he did. And and part of HBM's long-term approach has really been a, a strong focus on human capital. They've implemented training programs at the holding company level to help ensure that their businesses have the right talent and leaders. So I asked Andrew about what those look like and, and how they've benefited HBM's businesses. Yes, I, that talent management and human capital angle, I know has been a heavy focus for recent coverage in Middle Market Growth Magazine. And I know it's something that's been on the minds of our readers and podcast listeners. So I'm looking forward to hearing how HBM is approaching it. And with that, here's Katie speaking with Andrew Fulford. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Can you talk about HBM's investment strategy, You know what industries you focus on, and, and what makes an investment attractive? HBM is an investment management company that acquires and operates middle market businesses in industrial products and services. Our strategy really is to grow a diversified portfolio through a long-term buy-and-build approach. And we provide our portfolio companies with professional management, expertise, financial resources, and high-potential human capital talent. The core of our strategy and what we really believe differentiates HBM is the fact that we acquire companies not with the intention of really of reselling them, but with an expectation that we're going to add them to our portfolio indefinitely. Our companies become part of the HBM family, and they're built and nurtured for their long-term success. And when we acquire a company, we partner with that management team to create a shared vision and strategy and a clear focus on the broad resource commitments required to achieve their success. We provide the companies with enterprise resources from the HBM level, such as IT, HR, and corporate development. In terms of industries that we're interested in, we focus on areas where we have expertise and on operations that we can understand, really so that we can provide value simply beyond just providing capital. We pursue direct investments for control positions in operating companies, and we concentrate on four broad areas, industrial equipment and components, energy equipment and services, transportation equipment, and chemicals and minerals. In terms of size, we look for specialty manufacturing companies that have 10 to 25 million in EBITDA really as platforms, and then we're much more flexible when we consider add-on acquisitions. Attractive investments are, are characteristics for us would be product-centric manufacturing companies with a strong management team, a strong track record of growth, but still having a long runway with top-level potential. Can you get a little bit more into the, the subsectors of manufacturing that, that are the most appealing to HBM right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we continue to be interested in industrial components, you know, the production of complex gears, levers, et cetera, that go into a mechanical process. 
I think we really like businesses that make small, complex component parts that go into a much larger application or a system. Secondly, we're looking really hard at, at increasing our energy equipment and services exposure, uh, particularly in oil and gas infrastructure. It's an area that we believe in and, and we want more exposure. We obviously recognize there is some volatility risk there, but with that said, as long as we don't overpay at the peak, we can withstand some of that volatility because of our buy and build patient capital approach. You know, lastly, we're, we're really interested in manufacturing focused on environmental technologies. So companies focused on water and wastewater infrastructure, air pollution control, resource recovery, et cetera. It's an area where we, we have an existing platform company, but we continue to explore more ways to grow in this area. And like in many industries, manufacturing is being impacted heavily by technologies like the Internet of Things, um, new ways of harnessing data. Does HBM play a role in helping its companies adopt some of those new types of technologies? Yeah, you know, I'd say that HBM at the holding company level, we provide more of a supporting role. We allow the operating companies to decide when and where they'd like to integrate the many benefits that IoT can bring to the manufacturing floor as well as to their supply chain. You know, as an example, in our longest held platform, Mississippi Lime Company, the leaders there are incorporating technology in the, uh, the below ground limestone mines to better track and locate operations and equipment during their production. And this has huge implications both on safety and security, as well as identifying productivity gains and assessing utilization of their fleets. So as a facilitator, HBM looks at what our operating companies are doing and learning to ensure that those best practices or innovative uses of technology from one portfolio company can be shared across the, you know, the family of, of businesses. And things like artificial intelligence and robotics, we're hearing a lot about those in the news being incorporated into manufacturing companies. Is that something that you're seeing at the portfolio company level, seeing your, your businesses start to employ? That's a good question. You know, with respect to AI and robotics, we're still really in an exploratory stage, understanding when and where we might benefit from these capabilities. You know, we use, we use robotics sparingly in a few of our businesses to reduce human heavy labor and improve efficiencies, uh, but not nearly to the extent that we might in the future. You know, the true impact that AI and machine learning uh, can have is a little further away from us right now, but, you know, our management teams are, are abreast of their potential, so it really wouldn't surprise me to see them innovate and test some applications in the near term. I think, uh, at, at the, again, at the holding company level, we're going to learn what the operating companies are doing and act as a facilitator to, to take those best practices across the platforms. Well, where we're really seeing greater benefit from a technology standpoint is, is 3D printing and prototyping. Um, in addition to information modeling applications, you know, feeding directly, feeding information directly into the machines. We're, we're actually, we're doing this at our TrueFlex business where we manufacture pollution control bellows in the transportation industry. It helps limit the, the human aspect, which allows our, our employees to focus more on the productive tasks. This obviously has, has safety as well as productivity gained uh, implications for, for TrueFlex. And I anticipate that, that we're going to do more and more of this in the future, continuing to do it in TrueFlex as well as one of our other businesses, Schaefer Technologies. And you mentioned the incorporation of digital technologies helping to or, or changing the role of human employees. As companies continue to 
adopt new technologies and to innovate, it's obviously raised concerns about a growing skills gap that the next generation of manufacturers is going to need a different set of skills than um, you know, what they needed in the past. Training is going to look different. Have your companies run into any problems finding skilled employees? Yeah, you know, I, I, and I wouldn't even limit our, our, our challenges to, to skilled labor. Um, I, I think we have labor challenges across both skilled and, you know, hourly employees, mm. just like everybody else that I've spoken to, experiencing great difficulty finding and retaining, you know, labor across manufacturing operations. I think from a from an HBM perspective, we focus on bringing in that skilled labor um, to fill those needs at the holding company level, uh, training them on you know our culture and operations, and then deploying those individuals into our businesses in the critical positions of need. It brings talent and skill to our operating companies that that they'd likely be unable to recruit on their own and uh, it helps us address the the skilled labor shortage, but it also helps us address the generational gap, you know, as, as, you know, employees continue to leave the workforce. Mm -hmm. We also, you know, we partner with local community colleges and technical programs, high schools, to to ensure that we help to train individuals now for the future opportunities that are requiring greater technical competencies. And you mentioned the uh, training at the holding company level. Can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like? Yeah, I think at the holding company level, training and development that we're putting in place um, is really twofold. One is focused on bringing in educated individuals um, and making sure that they get the proper training um, and preparation to be able to immediately impact the businesses that we uh, that we own. And so there's some training around software applications, technology that impact, you know, supply chain operations, other, um, other elements of the businesses that we need our, our workforce to be comfortable with and skilled. In addition, we provide an enterprise resource in terms of training across the businesses. So, you know, labor that, that skilled labor that we have in the various portfolios, we will provide them with the necessary training to get them up to speed and comfortable as technology changes um, and as you know, we implement that technology, new software applications, whatever it may be, uh, within our businesses. And what about at the leadership level? Does HBM typically keep a company's leadership team in place when you invest? You bring in a new CEO when you buy a business, and, and are there any challenges that are maybe unique in this industry to, to finding the right leaders for these companies? Yeah, you know, it really depends on the situation. Since HBM's inception, I'd say it's been about 50-50 where we've kept the CEO and leadership teams in place and uh, and where we've filled those leadership roles um, internally. You know, in the case of a new, when a new CEO has been appointed, this is because the, you know, the acquire, uh, acquired founder-owned businesses, you know, where the owner-operator was actively choosing to step away from the company. You know, and this has been, you know, either an immediate changeover or or uh, over a transition period. You know, in the case of our last two acquisitions um, in, in 2017 of platforms, you know, we were they were owner operated, and both uh, CEOs elected to transition out out of the business, and we were able to fill those um, those top positions with high potential talent in the organization in the HBM organization. So they came from, Eric Van Rens, for example, came from one of our other 
platform companies mm. and um, elevated into the CEO position of Schaefer. And uh, Daniel Wright actually was in the HBM, so at the holding company level. And he transitioned over to uh, become the CEO of our, our la- latest tra- transaction, which was uh, Aerofill Technologies. You know, it's, it's one thing I want to stress that, that I believe differentiates HBM from you know, private equity or, or family offices pursuing direct investments is that we strive and we prepare for filling these leadership roles all the way from the CEO through the C-suite with internal talent. We don't go shop around unless we have to. You know, we, we will look externally if we need to, but we, our goal is not to, to look for professional management teams to, to swoop in and, and do their thing and then move on to the next opportunity. We, we focus on um, giving HBM employees opportunities for growth and development, and we look for that development across the portfolio of businesses, and we look to position that high potential talent for critical roles so when they do come open, we're able to fill those internally. And I imagine, you know, working with people that, that you're already familiar with, that you know and trust, you know, adds, adds an element to the success of the investment, too. Absolutely. And it's, just a, it's a compounding uh, effect for motivation of the employees throughout the organizations. Um, switching gears a little bit, the the alleged demise of American manufacturing and, and outsourcing of jobs was a major topic in the last presidential campaign. When you're investing in a U.S.-based manufacturer, are you thinking about its ability to be globally cost competitive? Yeah, I think absolutely this is a consideration, you know, in all the opportunities we evaluate. You know, we try very hard to look for things about a business or its product or uh, competitive differentiation that provides some sort of protective mode against foreign competition. You know, at the same time, we look for businesses that can expand and grow internationally and have that that focus and can be competitive on the global stage. You know, we found some success really with our, our TrueFlex business, that's the, uh, the manufacturing of, of the pollution control bellows, opening and expanding into Europe, um, opening a Poland plant and, you know, competing head to head against um, European manufacturers. They've been successful and we're looking at also entering in the Asian markets in the near future as well in the TrueFlex business. Uh, we believe we can be competitive throughout Asia as uh, regulations come into effect over there as well. And on a related topic, the proposed steel and aluminum tariffs have been talked about for months and and were just enacted on several key U.S. trading partners, as you know. I imagine like most manufacturers, HBM's companies will be impacted by that. Do you play a role in, in helping your companies navigate this type of policy shift? Yeah, we do play a role. Um, I'd say primarily in in helping with, uh, you know, the legal and regulatory advice, um, recommendations, being a sounding board and advisory to the, you know, the operating businesses and their leadership. You know, one of the areas that we we focus on is is encouraging our businesses and, and supporting them that may be adversely impacted by rising input prices. You know, see if they can, as they can, effectively pass on as much of those increases to their customers. There's obviously, there's a lag sometimes in those negotiations, but when they can pass that on, we help them do that and support them doing that. What's next for the manufacturing industry? What what trends or, or technology do you anticipate are going to either create opportunities or, or challenges for investors in the next several years? You know, I think I'll start with the challenges first. I think there's such a 
rapid evolution and advancement in technology and the implications, both from a data standpoint as well as just implications on the, the, the shop floor. What you know, what the floor will look like, what a plant will look like in the future, and how do we prepare our, our management teams, employee base, you know, getting the right training, preparation to compete in the future. Uh, I think, you know, as a, as a country, I know we're working through this and struggling, relooking and investing in, in trade and technical schools, renewed emphasis in the high schools on technology and preparing for, for working in these environments. But it's really, it's paramount that we address this, not only as, you know, as HBM, but, but as a country. You know, from an opportunity standpoint, I'm very, very bullish on, on digital information modeling, virtual design, and how that plays into additive manufacturing. You know, the advances made, being made in 3D printing, you know, creating the physical based on the digital through addition rather than subtraction, you know, for me, that's breathtaking. And I see the advances that are happening which seem to be uh, something, you know, that you would, you would see making plastic toys just a few years later is making airplane parts and medical implants. And, you know, I know in Asia they're prototyping buildings through modeling. So I can't wait to see what the future has in store for this. You know, at HBM, we hope to be ready for it, capitalize on these opportunities, just really move forward as the technology advances. And I imagine a big part of that is as the costs come down on some of these new technologies, right? Like 3D printing isn't brand new, but it's getting cheaper. And I imagine that because of that, it's now being able to be integrated in new ways. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's an area where we're using 3D printing in our uh, today for prototyping and again, in our TrueFlex business. But I would say that this, you know, it's an area where more and more we're going to look to incorporate into our business as a mainstream application, not simply for for testing and trying. Great. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to the past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. After you've rated the show, Head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.